Chris, the Dubs Hub podcast is back. We have preseason coming up soon. This is the first day of training camp. We haven't recorded really since summer league. So how's your summer? How you doing? Are you excited for Warriors basketball? It's coming up soon. Give us the breakdown. Yeah, man. Good to be back. Don't have to pretend like I like baseball or football or <laughs> any of those other sports as much as I like basketball. Definitely a needed break after uh, that Lakers series and free agency and all that, but excited to see the Warriors content coming in again and just, yeah, getting excited for the season. Yeah, it was kind of nice laying low after that, like, embarrassing uh, <laughs> elimination from the playoffs to the Lakers. Um, that that took the life out of me. You know, I needed to recoup, and I feel like the Warriors needed to recoup too. They needed that time off. They needed to to settle down, get their mental right. What did Marshawn Lynch say? He said, you got to get your chickens and your mentals right. Something like that. Yeah, sounds right. <laughs> that was that was good advice. Yeah. Um, so I think that's what happened with the Warriors, and I had to do the same thing. Uh, <laughs> but now we have a, yeah, now we have a new roster. I mean, obviously the big trade we talked about, uh, Chris Paul is a Golden State Warrior. He was... Part of the headline of media day yesterday, uh, heading into training camp, uh, and so and he's also part of kind of the central question uh, going into training camp, which is who is the fifth starter on this team? Because last year, obviously, the Warriors had uh, I think the best starting lineup according to plus minus and many other advanced stats uh, in the NBA, and now they insert. Uh, future Hall of Famer Chris Paul, uh, he although he is older, he's still a super effective player. So how are they going? How is Steve Kerr in particular going to balance that? Um, what are your thoughts on the starting lineup and how minutes are going to shake out uh, at that, at least at this point to start training camp? You know. Yeah, that's definitely been the questions going around. You know, Chris Paul, Steve Kerr, the team since this move has happened. But the other big news that happened in the recent weeks was that Draymond sprained his ankle during pickup, I think, last week. So that knocks him out of training camp, the preseason, and possibly a couple of games to start the season. So kind of looking at that as a blessing in terms of this whole six-starter, who's going to start dynamic, because Kerr announced today that it was going to be on Saturday Chris Paul, Steph, Clay, Wiggins, and Looney. Whereas I think that if Draymond didn't get hurt, it would be the normal starting five with, you know, yeah. Chris Paul coming off as a six man like Jordan Poole did last year. So I can't tell if this is good because it pushes those um, expectations to another day until Draymond gets back, or if it's bad that, you know, this wasn't figured out in the beginning of training camp. Yeah, I guess. If we, I'm just thinking of it as like Draymond Green. Let's assume Draymond Green is fully healthy, and we have this dilemma still. Like, how would you, as the coach, uh, put your first starting lineup out there? Would you start with Chris Paul on the bench? It sounds like you would, or that that's like the optimal lineup. And I mean, I agree. I think Chris Paul should come off the bench, but he's a he is a Hall of Famer or future Hall of Famer. He actually, you know, has a pretty big ego. He's kind of like Draymond Green in that way, where it would be like something that he may not necessarily want to sign up for, with unless he gets really, you know, unless he really buys in to the winning culture of the Warriors, which I expect him to. But it's definitely something that Steve Kerr has to manage. Like, so how would you manage it as the coach? Yeah, assuming I mean, Draymond's yeah. healthy again. I would do it basically by just say, staying the same starting lineup that's been the best starting lineup in the league the last couple of years. But what I think Steve Kerr will do, and we've seen him do this throughout the years, is that depending on matchup, I think he will tweak the starting lineup. I really think the only two people that are pretty much guaranteed to start if everyone is healthy 
is Steph, obviously, and I think Andrew Wiggins. I mean, in the past, you would say Draymond and Clay, but we saw last year when Draymond was coming back from injury that we kept him as a, a six-man role, and it, it kind of worked well in the playoffs versus the Kings. Um, obviously, he's he's probably going to start every single game he's healthy this season, but I think Kerr can experiment a little bit. Like you said, if they're playing a smaller team um, in the regular season, maybe you can bring Looney off the bench or... If you're playing a really big team, you know, maybe you want to start Looney, Draymond, like Kaminga and Wiggins or something. I don't know. I think this season there's going to be a lot of experimenting. But, yeah, to answer your question, if I was the coach, I'd definitely keep it Steph, Clay, Wiggins, Draymond, and Looney. And then utilize Chris Paul in the bench with his his buddy Saric, who he's played with before, who he's been raving about. And then definitely Kaminga as well. I think he's going to help bring out the best in Kaminga's game. I agree. I was going to say that same thing, basically, that Chris like actually fills the bench role pretty well because he's a connecting type of player. He's a team player. Great passer, obviously, gets everyone involved. And a leader, something that the bench I don't think really had last year because of the youth and because of the lack of a true point guard. Uh, like Jordan Poole is a great guard. He's going to be pretty good on the Wizards, I hope, you know he succeeds and is like an all-star this year and all of that, but he didn't have that same leadership that Chris Paul and Draymond Green and, and the other veterans bring. So that's going to be an important uh, factor in how well the bench performs, especially with the young guys, Moody and Kuminga, I think um, it'll be really important. So I just think the fit on the bench is better than in the starting lineup, unless of course, the the person that Chris Paul replaces in the starting lineup is Draymond. Yeah. Because Draymond would bring that same energy to the bench and he would be a connecting type of player there. But I I wouldn't do I wouldn't bring Draymond off the bench. I think Draymond's a better player than Chris Paul right now and especially position wise it doesn't make as much sense. But uh I could see that happening from time to time based on the matchup. Yeah, hundred percent, and I agree. But I, I mean, I think that's the the main reason they wanted to get Chris Paul was just with with Steph yeah. not on the floor last year, especially it got shown in the playoffs. Like to get a shot for anybody, it was impossible. Steph really had to do it all. So, and it and just looking at the roster going through, there's kind of really only two people on the team that can get their own shot, and that's. That's Steph and CP3. Obviously, Clay can score, and you know, Kaminga can score in the open floor and stuff. But you know, Wiggins, Saric, Moody, those type of players—they all need people to set them up. So, and I think that's where Poole will be missed a lot. Is last year he was the one who could do that, other than Steph. But um, obviously, in the playoffs, he was just horrible, and things got non-unrepairable. But yeah, I was actually going to bring this up with Wiggins. I think he needs to be some someone who gets his own shot this year. It's really important that he is a lead scorer, like the second highest scoring player on the team. And I'm sure most people expect it to be Clay, but I just think Andrew needs to be that all-star level player uh, on both ends, really, but on the offensive side to help even out the scoring of this team. Yeah, because, I mean, Poole's been, I can't remember, yeah, well, because Clay was hurt to start that, that championship year, so Poole's been the second leading scorer on the Warriors for at least two of the, yeah, leagues, exactly. the last two seasons, and, I mean, Chris Paul can obviously score, but I don't think he's going to be averaging over 20. I think his minutes will be a little lower than, than Poole's. I mean, Poole was an Iron Man, so it's it's going to need to be someone, I, I agree with you, Wiggins definitely has a shot, but... Yeah, that's that's an interesting storyline to watch throughout the season. Kind of who really takes that takes the lead to be the the second score night night tonight. And we saw it last year with Clay um, when Steph was hurt. We had some injuries. Clay really picked up his scoring and and carried us through some games that where we maybe would have lost. So I would be excited to see Clay do that again, or you know Wiggins have a bounce back year. Yeah, and I mean even if. Even if Clay is the second leading scorer on the Warriors, I just want Wiggins to be that kind of 
force on offense where he can take a guy one-on-one and and really ex- like exert that force on, on the floor when we need a bucket. Uh, we've been missing that since KD left, obviously. Uh, anytime like the shot clock's winding down, get the ball in somebody's hands, not counting Steph. Steph can do that at any time. I mean, the second guy. Uh, so I think Wiggins needs to step up there, and I expect him to. I mean, he's in his like firmly in his prime. So I mean, he also didn't play that much last year. Uh, he came back in the playoffs and looked really good, but clearly he was a little bit out of rhythm on offense. So uh, you know, he's back. He's expecting to be. I bet he plays like 82 games basically. Um, he's going to be the uh, a key key player, I think, uh, for this season. But I guess just quickly backtracking to Draymond's injury that you mentioned. Uh, so this happened a couple days ago, I think. Uh, and it, so I guess before training camp, this was just something that happened when Draymond was playing pickup. Um, or do you know what the story was with that? Was it was it in the Warriors facility or was it a pickup game? I think that they've just been doing pickup games in random spots because I believe that you're not technically allowed to be using the facilities and stuff as a team until this training camp starts. So that's why they've been doing like pickup games as a team in LA and around the Bay area and stuff. So I think it was just, um, you know, a non-official pickup game where some Warriors players were in it. But yeah, Draymond went up for a layup and stepped on uh, Kaminga's ankle. But I saw a video of him walking uh, to the state, to the stand to do his uh, media day was walking pretty fine and I saw a video today of the first day of training camp where he's walking around and talking to people so it doesn't look like a horrible injury but obviously not ideal going into a season where you want to get a really great record that was the big thing in the championship year two years ago as we started 18 and 2 and that gave us such a cushion throughout the year to not have to burn players out and stuff like that whereas last year we started I think through 20 games we were we were 500 and then we were just trying to climb out of that all season so it's definitely a bummer um but I'm hoping that gives some guys some opportunities in training camp that with the first team and more run now that Draymond's not there so I guess that kind of brings me to thinking about who I'm most interested to to see who can really shine in training camp who has a lot to lose, a lot to win, a lot to gain. Um, is there anyone yeah, so, you're thinking who's who's interesting for you to watch out in training camp? Well, so I guess just Draymond, yeah, expected to be out three to six weeks. That's that's the report from all the Warriors beat writers, and uh, that I mean that like three weeks from now is when the season starts essentially. So yeah. he's you know at risk of missing the first few couple weeks a couple games at minimum of the regular season not a great start to the year but i mean in the past two years we've had much bigger issues to deal with like jordan Poole and getting punched by draymond uh last year and then the year before if you remember it was wiggins with uh, refusing to get the vaccine until the very last minute and this the drama around that so overall going in pretty clean i think um but yeah, so to go back to your prompt, who are the most like interesting players? Not necessarily uh, the ones that are going to be making the top headlines, but the most interesting players for the Warriors in training camp. Um, for me, so if we're doing this like draft style, like one, 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 or you want to do snake draft? How do you want to do this? Uh, we could go just back and forth, snake draft. And we're just picking two each. Yeah. All right. So I'll obviously take, I think, the number one overall pick is Chris Paul. He is clearly the most interesting player, I think, in training camp. Uh, he's not the dark horse candidate in this draft, all right? He's, like, yeah. the clear number one. He, how is he going to fit on the team both, um, both as a basketball fit but also as a leadership and culture fit? It's extremely important that he buys all the way in he accepts that eventually he's probably going to be coming off the bench to not disrupt that great chemistry that the starting five has. And he'll be, he's a leader in the locker room. He's someone who needs to be telling the young kids how, uh, how to play and how to conduct themselves. 
So that's a massive, massive storyline. It really is going to set the tone for uh, the rest of training camp and for the rest of the season into the playoffs. It's it's massive. So that's my pick, number one. Who you got, nice. number two? Yeah, that was not my number one pick. But, I mean, like you said, obviously that's the biggest storyline going into camp is Chris Paul, how he's going to take it. And from media day and training camp day one, I think it's gone as best as you could hope um, no. Well, that's what they want us to think, Alex, yeah, we'll, because we'll if you read, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you read all the stories, it's like clearly Joe Lacob has gotten on the phone. He's called all these guys, like, you know, Tim Kawakami. I want to actually read this because I thought it was so funny. He, you know, the, the Athletic is a great sports outlet. Tim Kawakami, great reporter, but you can always tell when he's kind of splurting out exactly what the Warriors front office wants the public to hear. And just one sentence from his most recent article on Chris Paul just made me laugh. Uh, I'll read it. So he said, and Paul didn't merely win the day. His 15 minute media session set a bouncy, smart, extremely aware and extremely sensible tone for this training camp and probably for the entire season. So, (laughs) <laughs> so his 15 minute media day set the tone for the entire season apparently okay i mean look it was he he said the right things he said he was willing to come off the bench he said you know he, he had his like canned line where um he started or he yeah started on the bench for team usa in 2008 that's a long time ago yeah. but uh he was like ready to go with that because he knew the question was coming and and they just ate it up. So clearly, like, the, the PR, Warriors PR team is making a concerted effort that this will not be a distraction and that Chris Paul is a winning guy. He's ready to go. He's going to be a leader. That's what they want us to think. It, we'll see how it actually plays out. We'll see what happens on the first, like, Draymond and Chris Paul fighting story comes out, right? Like, I mean, because that's going to happen at some point. Yeah, actions are definitely always louder than words, and it's... Yeah, it's easy to say what you're gonna do and how you're gonna react, but like I said, it's basketball is basically if you if you want to go far in the playoffs, it's basically from October to June. So, you know, it's a lot of time where things could get fishy. But it's yeah. definitely a good pick. I think that's what most people are interested in. Um, I'm gonna go a little more dark horse with my pick, um, and this kind of go- relates back to what we were saying about scoring and how Poole was very necessary these last couple of years, picking up the scoring while Steph was out and, you know, being another go-to option for scoring. Because it's weird to say, but the Warriors at times have scoring problems. You know, you think of them as, like, chucking threes and scoring a lot. It's really been their defense that's kept them in games uh, more than their offense. But my pick is uh, Lester Quinones. I'm really curious to see how he does in training camp i know they've been really high on him talking him up a lot gave him a two-way contract i just listening to the reports and people talking about it um i think he does have a chance to make it to the actual roster and i think that his skill set and position is one of the weaker ones on the team which is like a score first ball in the hands difficult shot making player so I think that if he's able to improve a lot, especially as like a defender and team player, I think that he'd actually have a role on the team this year. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I like him. I like Quinones. I think he's a good-looking player, and um, I don't mean it like that. Listen, he's handsome, but all right. Uh, Whoa. But <laughs> uh, he's on a two-way. You're right. He um, has a lot of fans in the Warriors' front office, from what it appears. So... Will he make the roster? I mean, they do. The Warriors do have their 14th and 15th uh, roster spots vacant right now. Yeah, uh, we're gonna get to like kind of who potentially fills those roles, but he is a high candidate for filling either one of those spots. But it is like the likely scenario that the Warriors fill the 14th, but keep the 15th open and only 100%. sign that 15th guy right before the playoffs, like they've done the past two years. Um, first first with Gary Payton, which worked out great, and then second last year with Anthony Lamb, which wasn't horrible. I mean, 
he was a good player for us, like a role player. Got too many yeah. minutes for how good he is, but like you know, like that was a good kind of signing. Well, it could be also a the, like the same situation as Lamb, where you know he can use up all of his two way spots. Like I think it's what fifty games, right. and then eventually get um, converted. So I don't think it's if I was the Warriors, I wouldn't just straight up um, convert him out of this unless he's like really showing this and maybe other teams have interest but he's already on already signed on the two-way so um yeah exactly I, he's just a right. he's just a player i'm interested to see how this goes because i i think he's one of the kind of fringe two-way younger guys that could actually really uh impact this yeah no i mean it's a good dark horse pick so who are you going with your second pick okay um yeah i think there's a few other ways you could go with this but once again i'm thinking just of a position of need for the Warriors. Uh, just looking at their roster, I was kind of mapping out like what rotations would look like and the depth at each position. And wing, I think, is the Warriors' least deep position. Um, they have a ton of point guards. They have a ton of shooting guards. And I think they have a really solid like center rotation, but the the three and four is where it gets a little interesting for the team this year. So another guy I'm really looking at is Rudy Gay, just because not that I think he'll have a huge role on the team or impact on the team. I just really think a big wing who can shoot and knows how to play Kerr is going to play a ton. I mean, Tony lamb is awful, but he was six, nine and could shoot and could do things on the floor. And he played him a ton just because incurs offense, incurs defense, a four who can space the floor will play a ton. So um, if he's able to yeah. give something, I think that he'll get a ton of minutes on the team this year. Well, so you think he's, I guess, previewing this, do you think he's going to get the 14th spot? Because right yeah. now he's, he's signed to a training camp deal as far as I know, right? So he has to earn it essentially. He's the only, I was just like watching the YouTube interviews um, on the Warriors page yesterday and he's, he got interviewed for the, for the YouTube page, did a press conference and I didn't see Rodney Magruder or, you know, Kendrick Davis or any of those other players get interviewed and the way he's talking and the other way players are talking, it seems like he's going to be on the team. So I guess it's a little presumptuous for me to assume that he'll be there, but I just really no, I mean he's still an interesting role. he's yeah. still an interesting training camp guy, so yeah, that qualifies for this exercise. <laughs> yeah, what, and what yeah, I mean, I thoughts. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, what uh, are your thoughts? Yeah, so I mean, I think if he is the 14th roster spot, which I expect him to be, and he's 37, I don't expect him to play a lot. I think he's one of those like end of the bench veterans, like that gets spot minutes in the regular season plays zero minutes in the playoffs, but is a good locker room guy. Uh, and I've been begging for someone like that for years. I mean, like <laughs> you saw last year, uh, they, there were a number of those guys on, on the nuggets. Right. So, I mean, there were like, I think two or three of them at the end of the bench, like Jeff green and Deandre Jordan and ish Smith. Right. So those were actually important people for setting the, the tone in the locker room, which clearly, as we saw last year, we learned that lesson hard. It is so important to have veterans in the locker room. And, you know, we have some youth, so we need to get him in there. I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of the signing, and he also does fill the position of need at wing, like you said. Yeah. So, I mean, and then going to my last kind of pick for uh, who I'm interested in in training camp, it's on that wing spot. But for me, it's Moses Moody. Yes. He played so well during the playoffs, and he's not getting the same like training camp warrior reporter buzz that Kuminga is. Yeah. But listen, Moody is going to play more than Kuminga. Moody is in the rotation I was right just now. Gonna, I was going to say that too. <laughs> he is in the rotation right now. He earned it last year during the playoffs after sitting for large stretches of the season while, um, you know, Steve Kerr decided to play people over him, which he probably shouldn't have because clearly he's ready. 
he's not very old, so he's going to still make mistakes, but he's a guy who can de defend. He can knock down a three. He has so much energy. He's a good rebounder. He just has to work through some of the mistakes that he'll make. But he's in the rotation, and he's like basically the backup three. So that's what, that's what I was going to ask yeah. you is because I, I agree Moody was on my list as well, and I I think you're spot on saying everyone's hyped on Kaminga, you know, and I am too. But I think there's a bigger spot for Moody to play on this team. I was just looking at the position position roster. What do you, what positions do you put Moody and Kaminga at looking at this team? And I'll, th mean, I'll throw GP2 in there. What what positions do you put those three? Well, so Moody, I think, can play basically two, three, and then maybe four in a small lineup, but not really. He's a two, yeah. three to me. Yeah. Kaminga is a four. I don't really want Kaminga in at the small forward position, even though he thinks he is one. I think he has to improve his dribbling and his passing to become a wing. Uh, he's not there yet to me. I mean, maybe he makes a step this year to get there, but from what we've seen so far the past two years, he's just not there. Yeah. So he's like a four, maybe even like a stretch five at times. Yeah. Uh, and then Seriously. Peyton, I mean, GP2 it can kind of play any position like two to five. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. he's not really a center, but like in certain scenarios, he'll play the center like lob role. Uh, he's not really a four, but he can do it. So he's just like a utility guy. I, yeah. I don't know. He'll he'll get plenty. He'll get the majority of his minutes at the wing, though, like like Moody. And I, I think it's it's good to note too that um, you'll see Steph and CP3 playing a little two guard a lot this year, and even I think Corey Joseph's going to play too. I mean, he's not on my most interesting players, but I don't think they signed him to to just be an Andre role, I think he can actually still play. Um, so I, I think I, they kind of signed him to be the uh, backup point guard when CP3 and Steph, one of them sits. Yeah, yeah. because he, I don't think, looking at the depth chart, I don't think he has a spot really unless we're winning in a blowout. That's just my take on, on Corey Joseph. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I I think I I haven't watched a lot of like CP3 teams very closely if they're not playing the Warriors, but I am curious. I know in OKC they played a lot of like three point guard lineups. I feel like Chris Paul can play the two as well. Um even in a bench unit. No, like obviously you no. want <laughs> I don't want any more ultra small lineups like last year with like Steph DiVincenzo, GP2, oh, yeah. like, Clay was playing the five, like, pool. It was, like, ridiculous yeah. how heavily they're leaning into the small ball. I, I'm a fan of small ball, but that is way too small. <laughs> like, I, I think... We need to drill that into Steve Kerr's head. On, I don't know how we're going to get to him, but... <laughs> well, I think the issue this. was, and I liked, I liked DiVincenzo a lot as a player, but... I just really don't think he fit the need on the team, especially once Gary came back, just because you can't play Poole, Steph, and DiVincenzo, and then Clay. That's just that's so small, and we were getting destroyed in those lineups. Um, so that's where I'm hoping Moody and Kaminga can fill that role, and Gary as well, now that he's back, better than, than he did, um, just because they have yeah, just with more, more size. Length. Yeah. yeah, Moody's big. I mean... They only yeah. list him at like six five, but I think he has like a seven foot wingspan, and like you said, he's a great rebounder. He's a dog. Um, definitely excited for him. That, that's a great call. All right, so wait, let's go back to this fourteen uh, spot, but also expand it more to just who are the camp invites, who are the big names, and then who are some names that are under the radar, plus our two way guys like. Uh, who's going to be battling during training camp? Yeah, so, I mean, the two ways that we have are, um, like we mentioned, Lester Quinones, and then we signed um, Garaba from the Rockets, who I Garuba, think... Garuba, Garuba. Garuba. Um, who I think had a lot of teams interested in him. Before the Warriors got him, 
I was just listening to some mainstream podcasts and stuff and they were listing that he might be a cut from the Thunder just because they have like a huge um, amount of players on them. So he's on there. And then Jerome Robinson, who's spent the, the last few seasons with the Santa Cruz Warriors, who, I mean, I was familiar with him before just because he was a lottery pick uh, a couple years ago for the Clippers. Yeah, and Garuba was a fringe lottery pick, something like that. He, yeah. I think only two years ago, so he's pretty young. He, I didn't watch a lot of Houston Rockets games the past two years. I don't think that's going to come as a surprise because they were awful. But he clearly didn't play very well because he was a like serious draft pick in the first round and got cut or traded and then cut uh, like after only two years i mean that's that's not great but maybe this is a reclamation project like we've done in the past with like marquis chris and other players right that's classic warriors what is the uh big's name on the atlanta hawks who they they recently drafted same draft as wiseman Onyeka Okongwu. He reminds me of a very poor man's version of Okongwu because he's really good, yeah. but um, also like a six eight, six nine center, very defensive minded first. Um, but I watching think some Garubuk is more stretch, uh, more of a stretch. Yeah, player. yeah, and I was gonna say has some smaller. like yeah. passing feel and can shoot a yeah. little bit. So um, I'm glad that they added a big man on the on the two way because you look at our big man roster. Um, Really, other than Draymond, Looney, and Saric, that's pretty much it. So if if one of them gets injured, you know, going to need all hands on deck with, you know, Garuba, uh, Trace Jackson Davis, Kaminga, you know, people are going to have to step up there. Or even And if Rudy Gay makes the team, I didn't even mention this either, I could see him playing minutes at the five. I mean, he, I think... He reminds is, me of like an uh, old Otto Porter Jr. in this role almost. Rudy like Gay playing the four, yeah, playing like the four five. I mean, obviously, it's not going to work out the same way because Otto Porter was amazing for us. He was like the fifth or sixth most important player on the Warriors championship team in twenty twenty one. So that's that goes without saying, even though I'm saying it. But uh, <laughs> Rudy Gay, um, it, he's a similar type of player, so I think that that was part of the appeal for them too. Hundred um... percent. And he's huge. They list him at 6'8", but I was watching some highlights of him from the, the Utah Jazz before this podcast, and he is massive. And he also weighed in at um, 255 for training camp, which is the same weight as Looney. So he's definitely not a three anymore. Wow. That is <laughs> heavy. I did yeah. not know he was that strong. Wow. Yeah. I don't know if that's strong or old age or out of shape, but... Um, yeah, he could he could fit that mold as kind of a, a stretch mark big man. Um, so, do you think Roddy McGruder has any chance of making the Warriors roster, or do you think the Rudy Gay signing kind of disqualified him, unfortunately? Because I'm pretty sure they signed Rodney McGruder to the training camp contract before they got Rudy Gay. Yeah, and he was I think the leading contender to win that spot until Rudy Gay came. I mean, he's like ten years younger, which is nice. But, and this could just be me being like height prejudice, but he's 6'3", 6'4". I feel like there's just a ton of players on the team that are already that size. I mean, wouldn't you just rather play Moody than Rodney Magruder? Yes. (laughs) Or, yeah. I mean, but the thing is, like, we need depth. And it's going to be the 14th spot on, you know, on... Basically every single team in the league, the last person on the roster doesn't play that much and doesn't make a huge impact. So, in but the I past, wouldn't, we say, got lucky I wouldn't with say, say he's the yeah. last person on the roster because to me, I view um, Pajemski as like the 14th roster spot. Yeah, I think that's true. Whoever we sign has a more chance to play than Pajemski. I think he's going to be a a year in the G League type of guy, especially with Corey Joseph. I mean, if I'm the Warriors. Even if Steph or Chris Paul is hurt, I'm playing Corey Joseph over Pajemski. Yeah, you're right, actually, because Pajemski and even Trace Jackson Davis, who he is a more interesting player for this year, but I honestly don't see him getting much time at all. No. Um, Maybe he can earn his way there, but we have Saric and we have other options. We can go small at the five. 
I just don't think it's going to happen. So those guys are really like, if we're not counting the 15 spot, 14 and 13. Exactly. So I guess this like quote unquote last spot to fill is the 12th man. Yeah. Which, 100%. you know, is definitely more important. Yeah. And, and we could, so I mean, this... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. All right. Well, so I was just going to say, um, let's assume Rudy Gay signs. That's the roster. We don't fill the 15th. Yeah. How do you see the like nine, 10? Let's so let's go with nine. Name your top nine guys who are going to play in a Warriors playoff game this year. What's the rotation? Who gets left out and who is included if you were to predict that right now? So obviously we got Steph CP3. So that's two. And then I would put Clay and Moody. So that's four. And then we have Wiggins, GP2, and Draymond. And that's seven. So that leaves you with Looney. Sarge is going to play, though. Man, you said nine. You said nine? I said nine. I said nine. I mean, that's what a typical playoff rotation is. Sometimes it's even smaller than that, you know? Yeah. Oh, man. Well, in the playoffs, I think you're going to see one of Draymond, Looney, Sarge, and Kaminga lose their minutes i think in the playoffs just because you're not going to play that many big men especially with how the warriors want to play there's going to be a ton of minutes at draymond at the five and looney i agree five that's kind of why i was asking too because to me kaminga is on the outside looking in of this rotation that's always that's always been the the issue since we've drafted him he's very talented but his fit with looney and draymond is not ideal exactly it's bad, and then we want to get a good backup veteran big to help out, like someone like Belly, or last year we didn't really have it. Oh, yeah, Sarge will be that, needed it. be that this year. Right. I mean, last year we wanted it to be Jermichael Green, but he didn't really work out, so that, that was missing, and it's part of the reason the Warriors didn't go very far in the playoffs. But Sarge is an upgrade for sure, and I think he's actually going to be really good for this team and this system. Well, Especially I think during with, the, the, yeah. regu- the regular season, because I agree a lot, I think that, because in the regular season you're doing more like pl- platoon substitutions than in the playoffs you're kind of keeping four of your top five on the floor at all times. Um, I think the main reason they got Sarge was to be able to play with Kaminga. So I think during the regular season it won't be an issue. Like you can have Sarge at the five, Kaminga at the four, you know, Moody, Clay, and CP3 as your bench unit, and that's an amazing bench unit. Um, But in the playoffs, man, it's going to be tough. I'd be curious to see if Kaminga this year can be able to play a little three because I think that's where the minutes are coming from, and that goes back to your point about Moody. Like, there's minutes to be had this year on the team for him just because of his positional, you know, skills. Yeah. Kaminga is going to have to – you're exactly right. Kaminga is going to have to – earn minutes at the three and the four to be in the rotation in the playoffs. And that means he'll be taking minutes from other good, important players. Uh, yeah. Barring injury. So, I mean, it's massive. It's massive for him. This There's a lot at stake for him this regular season. Uh, even though I said Moody is more interesting for the training camp. But, you know, Kaminga is still interesting. I get why he's oh, been yeah. talked about so much. I think that... To me, though, it's just like there's a lot of hype around him, and I'm like more cautious. I want to see it before I get excited about like how he's going to perform this year because he got booted out of the rotation last year during the playoffs. I mean, he was flat out not relevant. And, and during the that regular was surprising. season, too. Like, well, during the regular season, he had playing time. Like That's what was confusing down the stretch. You're right yeah. in the beginning of the year. He was sort of in and out, but yeah. down the stretch he started playing heavy minutes, like twenty minutes a night, and was looking pretty good. But then playoff time, Kerr said, "Nope, that's enough. Uh, Wiggins is back, so you're out. You're just fully out." And um, that was surprising. So I think it's going to be really important <laughs> to, to monitor this year. Yeah, and you know, I think that's one thing that can come good out of Draymond being hurt the start of this year is. Maybe someone really 
steps up and proves that they're ready for this. And it doesn't even have to be a four. Like you said, Moody could play some four, play some three. You know, I imagine Wiggins is going to play some power forward while Draymond's out. So that opens up some spots for, you know, Moody or GP2, Quinones, you know, Rudy Gay. There's there's minutes to be had, especially to start the season if Draymond's going to be out. So I'm curious to see how uh, yeah. he'll step up. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, blessing in disguise, potentially. But then again, we want him healthy and hope <laughs> hope this injury doesn't linger and hope that it doesn't like hurt the start of the season. And uh, I would love to see 18 and two again. That was such a huge <laughs> thing for the championship. Year. So I mean, last yeah. year, our start to the season, and I mean, we should have predicted it just the way they were trying to, the bench units we were running out last year, Steve Kerr. I mean, I feel like he had an alternate agenda to maybe stick stick it to the front office for the trash that they gave them but we were running i don't out, know if like, it was necessarily the front office but maybe more the ownership Jacob. yeah yeah but just trying to play jermichael green wiseman and kaminga at the same time that should get you in jail for Listen, trying man, that i i have healed i don't want to talk about last year all right <laughs> last year last year cut me deep all right i took the summer i healed myself all right Smart. so yeah, it was a toxic. <laughs> I don't want to hear. Year. I don't want to hear Wiseman anymore. All right, this is is that so wrong of me? <laughs> well, that's what makes me so <laughs> bullish on kind of the Warriors this year because it seems to their credit they did like a one eighty flip with like the players that they brought in and kind of who they let go. They're like, all right, we tried to you know do two things at once, and we tried to bring some people in that aren't necessarily Warriors type players like you know Jermichael Green and Wiseman and stuff like that but it seems like from Sarich to you know Rudy Gay to Corey Joseph to even Chris Paul like all pretty good teammates throughout their career not very much drama I mean you could say that with Chris Paul but you know Corey Joseph very low maintenance Sarge low maintenance team first basketball IQ guys I think that's although it's small I think it's really going to be big for the team this year oh I like that that was poetic and if you're not (laughs) and if you're not um if you're a fan and you're not optimistic on day one of training camp you're just probably a miserable person so I love the optimism and uh, I guess the last like major storyline that we just wanted to mention going into training camp is uh, Steve Kerr and Clay Thompson are both contract extension eligible, but neither of them have extended their contracts yet. So as of now, Steve Kerr and Clay at the end of this season would be free agents. Um, both have basically publicly said that they want to remain with the Warriors um, although it's possible that things change and uh, Steve Kerr has also tried to avoid the conversation in recent times but you know in the past he said like as long as Steph is here like I want to be the coach of the team and meanwhile Clay has said before he wants to be a Warrior for life he um, wants to knock out a deal and that could be coming soon uh, I guess what are your what's your feel on these two uh, potential contract extensions? Are they going to happen before the start of the season, or do you think this is something that bleeds into the season? Do you think one of them leaves? Do you think both of them leave? Do you think none of them leave? What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's good points you brought up. Um, if I had to say who I think would get a contract extension first, I think it would be Steve Kerr. I can't imagine a world where Steph is still on the team and Kerr, by not choice of his, like if he wants to retire, I could see that happening, but I don't think they would let Steve Kerr go while the band is still together. Um, So I think they'll get something done here in the, the next couple of days with Kerr. Clay is interesting. I think there's probably an offer on the table for him for around the Draymond money, which is like $25 a year you know, descending or ascending, however you want to look at it. Same 25 kind of, mil, 25 yeah, mil a year, Not 25 uh, bucks, bro. Did I, is that what I said? <laughs> if we yeah. could get him for 25 bucks, that would be amazing. steal of the century. We'd still be in the tax. 
<laughs> yeah, for real. But that's what like Wiggins extended at. That's what Draymond extended at. It looks like that's if I was the Warriors, that's what I'd want him to be. And I could see myself as Clay. This is probably the last big deal that he'll get um, in the NBA. So probably doesn't make sense for him to accept that at the time. But we'll see. Maybe they can meet somewhere in the middle. I mean, he's making like $46 million this year, which is more than yeah. he should get. Um, I mean, and if I, I think it's interesting because Wiggins is making, what, 30? Yeah. 30 million, something like that. So if Clay is not as effective or as important a player on the team as Wiggins, that's another uh, bargaining chip for the Warriors front office to say, like, hey, man, you're old and getting older. Wiggins is in his prime, and he's getting paid this amount. You're on this team. You want to sacrifice. You want to stay with Steph and Draymond and be on, in a winning culture, be in your you know, new home. Essentially, he's been living in the Bay Area for over a decade, right? So <clears throat> um, maybe it's only been, a, yeah, it's been over a decade for Clay. Uh, regardless, like, this is his place. So he, that might be something that uh, gets knocked out in the $30 million range, and, and that's a risk he um, is going to have to take. I mean, I, he's not getting paid 40 No. And I don't think he's going to take 20 but maybe... Like and, yeah. and what do you it think depends the timing on the, would be? Like three I, more? Yeah. Three more years? I can see like five or four, but yeah, three I don't think he'll do three for sixty though. No. It's gonna be like three for eighty, three for ninety. Um three for sixty, I don't think he would sign. And I wouldn't if I was him. Yeah, I agree because there are teams out there that would look at Clay and be like, He's the piece we need, here's 35 million he and it gets um, lost too yeah. that he had a really good season last year until the lakers series so good yeah yeah no, I think he was fantastic a, especially a when fans, steph was injured oh he yeah, was amazing he, during the regular season a lot of fans just have i mean understandably so he was horrible in the lakers series unwatchable it ruined my week how he played but um getting past that he had a really good season last year, so I'm hoping that he's uh, he's back this year. Quickly, before we got out here, I was just thinking about this when we were talking about it. What would you say, Clay, like, if you had to rank importance of players on the team, where would you put Clay in that? Because um, I was just trying to think of that in my head. It's really tough. So, one is Steph Curry. I don't think yeah. anyone's going to debate that. And I think two is pretty clear-cut for me, too. It's Draymond Green. Yeah, uh, I actually think it's always been that way, despite the fact that Clay is the splash bro. Clay is the the clear all star type of player who, you know, is super popular. But I think Draymond Green has always been more important to the winning uh, in this dynasty uh, than more important than Clay. So <clears throat> that's one two for me. Yeah, three. So importance is an interesting word. Just in, uh, like most important player to the team. I know, I know. It's like the MVP thing, like valuable. How do you define that? I mean, so importance. <clears throat> I think the contenders are Chris Paul, Clay Thompson, and Andrew Wiggins. Um, I've said I think Andrew Wiggins needs to be that guy, so I'm, I'm kind of leaning Wiggins, but... I think you, any one of those three could be the most important, not necessarily the third best player on the team, but the most important to what, how this team does in the playoffs, whether they win a championship or not. Yeah, I uh, think... I th I'll, if I have to choose, I'm going to go with Wiggins. So Yeah, I was going to say, I, I think it's pretty clear that Wiggins is the third. I mean, obviously, Draymond is the second. We've known that for a decade. Um, but we saw it in their championship run. Wiggins was the clear second best player mostly throughout those playoffs. I mean, he locked up Luka. He um, was an incredible in the Celtics series. So I, I would have him as a clear third. And then, yeah, I think from there you get to, you know, Chris Paul, Clay, Looney um, is probably the, the three contenders. But, yeah, I would probably have Clay over 
Chris Paul and Looney. Um, yeah. It's, it's interesting to think about. It is. It's a good... <laughs> I mean, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out, too, because some some of these guys are going to have great years. Some are going to have mediocre years. I mean, I hope they all have great years, but that's usually not how it goes. Um, so we're going to see, like, really how age affects these affects these guys how chemistry affects these guys and who could take a step up yeah so i'm excited for it yeah man i I can't believe basketball is back it like you said off the top it was a needed break after disappointing (laughs) and just toxic year of basketball from the the pool punch to having to watch jermichael green and wiseman and anthony lamb (laughs) play play basketball on in front of my eyes but every night every other night. <laughs> yeah vibes are good you know i think the warriors the league's gotten a little better i mean some contenders have gotten better a lot of player movement but yeah i think the warriors are definitely in the mix man not not too many more years we can say that with the guys no. getting older so yeah right now they're like the fifth highest odds to win the championship i think um i'm i don't like that we're behind the lakers in in the betting odds but you know they beat us, so they I did guess beat I can't us. really argue. I guess I can't really argue. I don't like it, though. I think it's something we need to change. All right, but uh, it's going to be fun. A lot of good teams. And um, all right, we'll be back soon. Yeah, I mean, Warriors get a chance to make uh, get a, get some payback this Saturday and, and five days from now in a, in a very important preseason game. But of course, uh, we'll be we'll be locked in as the season's rolling in. So uh, look out for new podcasts, and we'll uh, we'll talk with you guys soon. All right.